You know, I always imagined the International Space Station as being big enough for, like, four people, max. Really? Yeah. I think there's people from more countries there than that. I just always assumed it was, like, a couple of Russians and a couple of Americans, and they didn't have tons of space, certainly not enough for large conference meetings. No Chinese? Well, maybe now there's, like, a Chinese person and an American and a Russian. (laughs) That's all I got space for, it sounds like. Maybe one more from a non-communist country. Okay, well, you're wrong. It turns out it's gigantic (laughs) and also has station-wide gravity just all over the place. So, there you go. I bet you feel dumb. A little. One of our thermospheric satellites malfunctioned over Afghanistan. So your proposal is what? We shut down all satellites. I don't need to remind all of you how many people died from catastrophic climate conditions. Make sure there's no further incidents. Are you going back up to space? I'm coming back. I promise. There's potential for catastrophic weather events on a global scale. A geostorm. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Geostorm. Starring Gerard Butler, Jim Sturgis, Ed Harris, Abby Cornish, Andy Garcia... The guy from Misfits. Robert. Robert Sheehan. Yeah. I love him. I know. Me too. He's a super tiny part in this movie, but it just made me so, so happy to see him, especially in such a terrible movie. I know. It's like, oh, Robert Sheehan, I'm so glad you got paid. He was so underutilized, and they made him do a weird... Um, the accent was accent. So bizarre. I don't understand a weird, why they low did that. weird, low-class English accent. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, he already has an accent. You don't need to give him a weird one. And his accent is delightful. It is delightful. So, Yeah. <laughs> And they also gave him a terrible line, which we will talk about. <laughs> a whole his whole part was kind of dumb. I, I mean, I guess at least he got to do more than just be a station crew person. Yeah, but I'm glad he got paid. But that for me, I'm just like that was the highlight of the movie was that he got <laughs> a paycheck from it. Yeah, exactly. Gerard Butler also got a paycheck from this movie even though many of the cast and crew members noted he did not seem to know his lines. (laughs) Well, his character seemed weird, and I hated him. But So I care less about whether he got paid for this movie. You're describing every other character in this movie. Even Ed Harris didn't come out of this great, because there was just nothing there for him. Yeah... But at least he was just playing Ed Harris. Yeah, for but Gerard Butler, everyone was sort of playing themselves. Jim Sturgis was Jim Sturgising <laughs> around everywhere, which is not what anybody wants. His casting was, I think, the worst of any of them Agreed. in the film. Mostly because I think he's best at playing someone that's sensitive and ineffective. And in this, he was supposed to be playing someone... At a high level of government. Right. Who's clearly, like, a political mastermind who was able to get himself into this position. Yeah. It didn't really... And I didn't believe it for a second. No. Also, Gerard Butler and Jim Sturgis' brothers are not believable. And nothing... That was insane. I thought it was his dad for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing will ever make me believe that. In fact, I looked up their age difference. They are nine years apart, and they look... I thought they were 20 years apart. I would have said 20. I I thought they were more than that, and I really feel like they look more than that, but they are nine years apart, and even that is too far apart for their relationship in this film. 
Yeah, to have been as close as they were. Yeah, that's true. Well, and for one plot point that gets brought up, we'll talk about it when it comes. But, yeah. But I really hated Gerard Butler the most of anyone because... <laughs> He was clearly supposed to be a quirky, lovable scientist, and all I could think of is you're an irresponsible idiot who is very a terrible father. Also, yeah. He got onto that station and immediately started Gerard splaining the entire station to everybody. Well, for me it was like when I realized he had a daughter and I'm like, no, I don't know. <laughs> and it was the whole like child who's taking care of her parents and I mean her mother is seems fine, but like the way he treated his daughter, I'm like, I don't like this at all. This is not a healthy father-daughter relationship. Yeah. And then I also would have fired him from the project. So I didn't have time. To <laughs> I know you should have been that. fired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we start with a voiceover. Everyone was warned, but no one listened. A rise in temperature, ocean patterns changed, and ice caps melted. They called it extreme weather. They didn't know what extreme was. Then it just goes nuts. So the East River, like, ate Manhattan. And this is supposed um, to take place in 2019. This is supposed to happen. Well, we so. don't have much time. Oh, wait, no. It already, <laughs> already happened. Oh, no. Well, it's like, you're being very bold in your predictions for the future. <laughs> I know. A heat wave killed two million in Madrid in one day. I would not have called that a heat wave. First of yeah. all, how hot did it get? And did everybody, like, buildings were no... I mean, was it 200 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit? Yeah. And no one had access to water or refrigeration or anything like that. Yeah. So the world governments agreed, and 17 countries built this big machine to control the weather. So they neutralize storms with it, and there's a huge, super feasible network <laughs> over the entire Earth, led by the International Space Station, and they call it Dutch Boy. And then she explains why, and I'm like, yeah, we get it, because the Dutch Boy held his finger in the dam. Da-doy. I already hate you. <laughs> so this project, Dutch Boy, was led by one man, this kid's father, Steve Geostorm. <laughs> no. Also, it's insane that she narrates this, but I also whatever. thought that this child was a boy <laughs> the whole time I was listening to this narration. And then I was like, wait, was that her? That was a girl? Yeah. No, Jake something. I forget their last names because it's not important, and I couldn't refer to them by last names because they are brothers. <laughs> so. Gerard Butler. Jake. So he heads into a Congress hearing, and he's a real hero of the people because the doorman stops him and runs through weather scenarios that no longer happens. He just starts listing disasters, <laughs> tornadoes, monsoons, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's heard of these, I think. <laughs> and then Gerard Butler takes his tie. Also, if the world, if the ecosystem of the world is functioning the way it normally would, we should still have those disasters. Just less... Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> they were in 2019. Nope, does not sound like it. So, Congress is talking, or Senate, or whatever, is talking about Dutch Boy, and they're heading to a crossroads because in three years, the U.S. has to hand over the program to international oversight. Also, can I just say that I was predisposed to sympathize with this person because of his role in West Wing? 
Oh, really? So I was predisposed to feel like he knew what he was talking about in government. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he was clearly supposed to be like, but we should keep it forever, even though we built it. And then Gerard Butler just gets so unlikable. I mean, he immediately just tries to start making these people angry. He's like, well, now you say we built it, but really there were these people and people from all these countries, and I knew every single person's name and face, but I don't remember seeing you there, Senator. (laughs) So he's being a real jerk. So the Senator's mad that he doesn't take orders well. And... That kind of seems like a lost cause. It's not you're not going to force him to take orders because he's going to be a superstar forever because he saved the world. Yeah, no one's going to force them to do that. And it's actually a little bit weird now that I'm thinking, like now that you just said that, that he is able to be shoved out and into obscurity. Uh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we will talk about that. Good lord. Okay. And the worst part is that he put Dutch Boy online without the government's consent. So the government never said, yes, it's ready. And that made me think, and he was like, well, it was ready. And, you know, this big storm was going to happen and like 100,000 people were going to die. And I was like, well, it kind of sounds like chump change based on (laughs) the other stuff you mentioned. But okay, I get it. It's still bad. And I'm like, okay, so the thing is going to happen because you put it online too early. Nope, never comes up again. So the senator is making... Jake cut some of his own people from the project and is sending up people of the senator's choosing. And the meeting's over and it lasted five minutes. (laughs) And I feel like this could have been a memo or a phone call. Certainly you didn't need that many people in the room with you. Yeah, it was a lot. Maybe this was just the end of, no, because we see him going in. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was an hour late. Okay, so maybe they'd already been having the meeting. Yeah, the... This was um, a summation of what they'd come to. I think just maybe, like, a rec team needed the space after they'd already reserved it. (laughs) Bingo or something. So Jake asks Jim Sturgis, Max, to help him. But it's not so simple, because Max just got put in charge of Dutch Boy, and he wants to help, but this hearing didn't go well, so... You fired Jake. <laughs> and then That's we realize, yeah, it is his own fault. But then we're like, hmm, maybe you shouldn't have taken a job if it meant you were going to fire your brother. <laughs> I can't see that being worth it, but okay. He doesn't seem all that upset about it. Yeah. They're not so. close. Or they are, but they act like not they in were the way. They really close yeah. up until right then. Yeah, which is not true, as we'll hear from their later discussion of their backstory. Well, three years later, in an Afghanistan desert, a bunch of UN Army Humvees roll up to investigate a village that got straight up frozen. Like, people are now icicles where they stood and they fall apart when you touch them. Yeah. Which doesn't even make sense, because guess what? Ice is super hard and it's really hard to break. Stuff that is frozen solid, when you have frozen solid meat in your freezer, does it shatter when you touch it? No. Well, that's just what I was thinking, because I was like, I don't know how cold it would have to be before you could even just break it apart that cleanly, because meat frozen solid... I feel like the You can more, still cut through it, and it's still meat-like. Yeah, well, I feel like the more frozen you get, you would have to flash freeze. I mean... I don't know, like, absolute zero? I also feel like you'd have to be somewhat dehydrated or... I don't know. 
I I would need an investigation, scientific investigation into the conditions necessary for this. Yeah. I would yeah. like to order one up immediately. <laughs> okay. I'll just talk to the screenwriter. <laughs> Clearly things are not going great with Dutch Boy. Back at the White House, Max is flirting with this secret security agent, Sarah Wilson. And in the meeting that they go into, Ed Harris says that everything is under wraps with this frozen village nonsense. But one woman is like, well, we need to shut Dutch Boy down until we figure out what's going on. And they're like, are you crazy? We can't do that. And this is where we see Andy Garcia as the president who's criminally underused. (laughs) But... And Max is so naive. He's like, 300 people died. We caused that. We have to figure out what did it. And I was like, do you not understand that... Yeah, millions were dying before. And also, do you not understand that people aren't going to care that much about a tiny, tiny Afghan village of 300 people? Like, they're just not going to care that much. You're so naive for having risen pretty high in politics. Yeah. Uh, your constituents or whatever, whoever you answer to, are not here right now. And also, generally, I feel like the American president will be like, well, it didn't happen in America. So, yeah, I mean, look into it, but... He wants a complete systems check, and Ed Harris says there's only one man for the job, Jake Lawson. There it is. There's their last name. (laughs) And Max doesn't want that because he's a big baby and doesn't want to talk to Jake. At least, that is what I think. Ed Harris is like, I believe in both of you, and I chose you for this job. You're not going to fail. Everything's great. And so I immediately suspected that he was evil. (laughs) Even though I can't see how anybody would benefit from insane weather that murders everybody. (laughs) Only because you lack imagination. (laughs) Clearly. This is also the point when I realized that the brother's relationship was going to take up a much larger part of this movie than I wanted it to. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, there's a plot here. See? There's a plot. There's feelings. People have feelings. Personal relationships. Isn't that what plots are, guys? Yeah, so much drama. Yeah. It was so boring. So on the ISS, we see our fave, Robert Sheehan. Yay! He's talking to a guy who has just espionaged some information onto a little handheld future thing. And... Is looking the most (laughs) suspicious that a human being can look. Oh my gosh, I know. Without turning into a cartoon. (laughs) Without having a top hat and a mustache. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he talks to Robert Sheehan, walks by this French guy who looks evil. (laughs) Are you going to say that about everyone on the space station? Only the people who actually look evil. So far, only two people have. One person looks suspicious. And then this guy is immediately killed. Yes. He gets sucked out into space. I don't even understand what failed. I don't understand how it would be possible for a bunch of stuff to fail, and then all the windows are gone, and you get sucked out into space. The science in this movie is pretty light. Like it shouldn't have been built that way. Yeah. But Someone should write a letter to the International Space Station immediately. <laughs> yeah, I'm really worried about you guys. I just saw this movie. Uh, you should fix that. Back on Earth, we finally see Jake's kid, and it is a girl, which was shocking to me. Named Hannah. And Max shows up. He's driving up to this trailer that Jake now lives in. 
Let's just talk about how he lives in a trailer <laughs> and his job is building stuff for retirees down the street. <laughs> One of the greatest scientific minds of our age. Yeah, how did he end up destitute? <laughs> I don't care that he got a divorce. I don't care if his wife got everything in the divorce. <laughs> I don't care if he had to, like, pack up his own clothes and give them to her. He should still be very wealthy right now. There should be a ton of universities, for one thing, that would be willing to hire him. Oh, my gosh. Private tech companies? I mean, mm -hmm. can you imagine how much he would get paid writing books? If he didn't want to do that, he could do media full-time. Yeah. And he is just super broke living in a trailer because that's what happens to geniuses who are extremely famous. Yeah. There's no way he could be difficult enough to not get a well-paying job. Yeah. It's completely insane that they were like, I don't know, he got fired, now he's poor. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife is apparently still rich because his daughter lives in Atlanta but still comes every other weekend. <laughs> Guess what? That is not the typical custody arrangement when they live that far apart. Yeah. It's like three weeks in the summer and holidays. That's yeah. it. Oh my goodness. Also, if you're going to give us an angsty relationship with his brother, we don't also need an ex-wife and a daughter. I know. It was a lot. I mean, if you wanted us to care about him, which I never did at any point <laughs> in this movie, you need to choose one or the other because they did nothing with the daughter and ex-wife. No, they were like, look, he should live. He has a daughter. But I was like, okay. And I guess they showed what an unhealthy relationship he has with his daughter, who yeah. feels like she needs to take care of him, and what a terrible father he is. So I guess <laughs> well, they showed us that, but that just made me dislike him more. Rose, I don't think he was supposed to be a terrible father. <laughs> he 100% was. I know, but I don't think he was supposed to be as bad as he actually came out looking so Jake is upset, obviously, that Max is there, and he cracks open a beer and offers Max one while he starts to go work on stuff. And Max is like, it's a little early, don't you think? And I was like, ooh, did you come here asking him for a favor? What are you trying to do? Because maybe judging him right off the bat is a bad look. Yeah. <laughs> Max finally convinces Jake that something is wrong, is wrong with Dutch Boy, and that it is his problem. He's like, not my problem. He's like, I don't know, didn't you build it? Aren't you super inordinately proud of every single part of it? So he is going to go up to the space station and work on it. And it wasn't that difficult to do. And it really makes me feel like the beginning part of this movie was unnecessary. Yeah, it absolutely was. I still, I will never get over the fact that they wanted a have to bring a cantankerous old coot out of retirement <laughs> But he built an international space robot and is a tech genius. I can't believe they tried to pull an Old West trope <laughs> in this setting. I wish he actually had been an old cute. Well, yeah, that's true. Like, I wish he'd been about 60. So, for me, I feel like it was so easy to get him onto the space station, to get permission <laughs> for him to go onto the space station, that all of that opening bit could have just been part of the voiceover. We didn't need it. Yeah. Probably. You gotta have something to put in your movie, though. <laughs> in Hong Kong, at the Pacific Climate Council headquarters, Chang is at a computer, and it says the deployment in Afghanistan was successful. So it seems like the espionage was actually for good that we <laughs> saw. Chang tries to call Max, but gets his voicemail and doesn't leave a message. Good call. Someone is on to him, though, because as he leaves the office and is buying groceries, the city starts to get destroyed around him. 
presumably by weather, but it the ground is heating up so much that fire is spewing out of it. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a weather event. Yeah, and then buildings are collapsing. That didn't make sense either, because it didn't seem like anything was actually causing the buildings to collapse. Yeah, and his car is still able to get away. Yeah, so I don't know what on earth that could be, but evil weather robot. (laughs) Back at the trailer, Jake tries to tell his daughter that everything will be fine while he's gone, and he also says that Max is just mad because he's resentful that he's younger. He's like, sometimes younger siblings are just mad because they're younger. And I was like, not in America, dude. Not not since, like, the 1800s. The early 1800s. Why? Who? What? Yeah. Presumably, the reason he's mad that he's the younger brother, if there is a reason, which I don't think there is, is because... <laughs> When their father died, or both parents, or whatever it is, they were orphans, he, as the younger brother, was forced to be the one, the responsible one, who tried to rein in Gerard Butler in his irresponsible antics. This is even more confusing when you realize that in real life they're nine years apart. Right, because if Gerard Butler is getting into fights, even if he's 18, his brother is nine. Yeah, and his brother couldn't help really in any way shape or form no this would only work if his brother was just like a couple years like they were like 17 and 19 but that's not the case (laughs) they don't even look like that that's really funny i didn't even think about that they look like they're about 15 years apart and like gerard butler had a really hard 15 years at least Hannah is really upset that he's going back to the space station and makes him promise that he will come home, which is stupid. And I know she's a kid, but I feel like she's just building up a profile for therapy if he doesn't come home now. I know. It's just one more thing he did that he said he wouldn't do. Yeah, and this is when I started really disliking the screenwriter because I hate children like this in movies. The (laughs) super responsible, older, acting older than they are child. I don't like it. It's not a trope I enjoy. No, me either. So Jake goes up to the ISS and starts just talking over everybody and being like, well, this system isn't properly taken care of. But I will say that the moment when she starts crying in this movie is probably the acting triumph of the entire film. I think you're right. It was... So realistic. Yeah, she was good. I was just floored by that moment because I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) It was some of the most realistic movie crying I've ever seen. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Jake goes up to the ISS and immediately starts talking over everybody and being like, this system isn't taken care of right. Ideally, it would be like this and it would sound like this, but you've done this. Which is why you should never let the creator of something come back to it after they've been gone for a while. Pretty much. And then he's embarrassed because he's like, where's your chief scientist? She's like, that's me. And he's like, oh, sorry. But then she doesn't say anything to prove him wrong, so I guess he was right. (laughs) She's pretty chill about the whole thing. Yeah, she really is. So then we see a motley crew of the investigating team, I guess. There's four of them not including Jake and the German science chief. Yes. One of them is Robert Sheehan, though. Yay! So, back on Earth, Max and Sarah are in bed joking together about who would she save first in an active shooter situation. 
They are not allowed to date openly, so they have to sneak around. I don't understand why they're not allowed to date. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I also think that you'd probably get caught. Well, especially since they're living together. I would think that yes. Yeah, she does at one point say our house, and I yeah. was like, uh, what? So they're, they are living together, so that makes it even more confusing that they haven't been caught. Yeah, they're like, we're just roommates. But I would think that they would be allowed to date as long as they weren't working in the same chain of command. Yeah, I... Unless secret, secret service agents aren't allowed to date anyone, but that doesn't <laughs> seem right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they just made it up. Well, because I would think secret service agent and person in charge of weather satellite would be two different change of chains of commands. <laughs> they really should be. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Who knows? Not me. He's totally cool with the idea of outing them and doesn't seem to mind the fact that one or both of them would lose their jobs. Yeah, I Even know. Even though he's clearly an ambitious career man. To have made it as far as he has. Oh, yeah. I mean, even more so than her, I would feel like. Yeah. He was willing to fire his own brother. <laughs> That's really true. <laughs> the project his brother created oh that saved goodness. the world. Yeah, exactly. That's about as heartless as he can get. Oh, gosh. Well, Chang calls Max from Hong Kong because the phone lines just came back. And he thinks it wasn't a gas line accident. Good guess. That was ridiculous. <laughs> so they're trying to look at the system, and both of their access uh, to it has been denied. Chang says, well, if we keep having issues like this, it could cause what we call a geostorm. Okay. Do we call it that? Who calls it that? Or did you just make it up on the spot? Also, what does that mean? Uh, I'll tell you what it means. A geostorm is when enough huge weather things start happening all at the same time that then they cause a chain reaction, and then there's a huge, like, global storm that nothing can stop. It just seems to mean geographic storm, which doesn't really sound very impressive. I would think any storm would be geographic in nature. It's a global storm. Geo means global. No, it doesn't. I think it, I think if you'll check your script, you'll find it does. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, they should also call it something other than a storm. Also, the producers of this movie apparently did not realize that there is a car called the Geostorm. (laughs) And it was well into production when someone was like, oh, weird, uh, what'd you do about the car with the same name? And they were like, what? What's that? There's <laughs> phone calls to make. <laughs> so Sarah just got called back to work at the same time. Suspiciously. Everyone is suspicious, Rose. Don't get on my case about this. I'm just pointing out the obvious. If I had cared more, I would have been suspicious of everyone, too. Yeah. Well, I just I just found a chance to get back into my midsummer murder routine of just shouting at the screen that everybody is the villain. <laughs> so as Chang is trying to crack the mystery in Hong Kong, the power goes out in his building and men with guns search his office. Max goes to see someone in IT, Zatsi Bates. Who was my favorite character in this entire movie. That yeah. woman needs her own TV show. I know. She was so likable and so natural seeming when everyone else was just overacting like crazy. <laughs> yeah, she was good. And she was the only one who was actually funny ever yeah. in, the, in the movie. They really needed more of that. 
Just like normal people acting normally. Because that's what she seems like. Yeah. He takes his equipment to get fixed by her. And she says that someone got into it and made it look unintentional. And it was very clever hacking. But then she doesn't explain anything. Like, it's so weird. It's just so many things in this movie were like telling us stuff we already knew. Yeah, just take my word for it. And telling us stuff that the characters probably already knew. Or at least suspected. Nothing was a huge bombshell. It was like, oh, this has been hacked. Well, duh, his access was denied to the thing that he's in charge of. On the ISS... Although, I will say, if they were hacked, it does kind of imply that it was an outside thing. So I don't know why he's decided that they need to work outside the chain of command. Mm, I don't know if he had at this point. Okay. Well, he seems to be very hush-hush about the whole thing. Oh, I think it's because they also had uh, taken Chang's access. But again, if they were hackers, they probably just took everyone's access. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They didn't go into that I mean, I don't want any of the science explained, but I do want the character motivations explained, <laughs> oh, and they gosh. didn't do that. We're both asking for too much, Rose. Yeah. So on the ISS, Ed Harris calls up on the big screen saying, just get the job done, and Jake has to report to Max. And why would the video feed look like that? It's crazy lined and going in and out in places. And I feel like they just wanted to emphasize it's a giant video screen. Look at this space age technology. So it's a little blippy in places. Maybe it was hacking. I don't Could that also be hacking? I mean, it could be. I don't think it was. Maybe it's a storm. (laughs) One of the beginnings of the geostorm that's breaking up. It's not the geostorm because we get a big red timer telling us when the geostorm is going to be down to the second. So don't give me that. And I have it's to not say, until later. weather prediction technology has really improved by 2019. I wish they maintained that. Well, for gigantic storms. Oh, I guess this is also technically 2022. Yeah, and it's only for geostorms. Well, I look forward in two years to getting much more exact weather. Well, I... I hope to never get that exact of weather because it would mean a geostorm. What are you not getting about this? <laughs> but they can predict, they can be like, oh, there's a hurricane that's about to start here. So we'll just discharge that. And so they're predicting other things. So you are assuming that this is a documentary <laughs> that was shipped to us from the future. Exactly. Okay, I think you're right, but I was just checking. (laughs) So, Max tells Jake that Hong Kong seems like it wasn't an accident. Which, guess what? Jake already said that to somebody else. (laughs) And then there's a fight between them to make it seem like there's a plot. Elsewhere in the ISS, this machine, this giant machine goes haywire and starts swinging around everywhere like a lasso and almost killing everyone. And it does damage a lot of stuff, but that's it. There was also no reason for this to happen. There's Nothing comes of this. Yeah. Nothing is suspected or gained by this. <clears throat> well, okay, I guess what it was is you're, we're supposed to suspect that the Frenchman is the murderer, but he was at, and he was outside the chamber. But then he might not be the murderer because he was reviewing video of that spy's death, and it seems like whatever machinery caused his death may still be intact with clues. Mm. 
So they go to retrieve the panel from space, and it's Jake and the science chief. So they're heading back, but his suit is malfunctioning, and he's flying everywhere. And I honestly cannot be asked to believe that his suit has not been irreparably damaged and he's already dead. <laughs> he is smacking into every single piece of machinery that we can see. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a shot where he's he's bouncing along off the edge of the station and it shows the moon in the background and it kind of makes it look like the danger is that he will hit the moon. <laughs> Which is not an imminent danger at all. <laughs> so it was very funny. They get him back inside and he reveals to the science chief that he does have the chip in his sleeve. He managed to pull it off the panel. But then he lies to the others because someone tried to kill him and he doesn't know who to trust. Except it's, you chose to yeah. trust one person and you didn't have to. Yeah, I was going to say, are we ever given a reason why he trusts the science chief? No. And okay. it doesn't make sense because it's not like he needs her. No. He thinks that he knows everything. And he does know almost everything about this this place and the robot, the Dutch boy. So why is it inexplicable that he chose to trust her? Well, there's one very good reason, and that's the audience needs him to be able to explain things to someone. <laughs> that is true. So they look at it, but there's no corruption visible, and the user logins have been wiped clean, except that Jake knows how to f get in and find them. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Back on Earth, Chang calls Max and has figured out everything, but he won't tell him on the phone. They have to meet. And why? Really? Why would you write like that? Yeah. I'm angry that you were so lazy. <laughs> I more just kept being surprised every time this guy showed up, really. <laughs> you kept forgetting he was in the movie? Yeah. Well, fair enough. He's about to not be in the movie. When Max goes to meet Chang, Sarah is there for some reason. I don't get why she's always in his business. <laughs> the Secret Service works very closely with weather satellites. Right, exactly. Way to hide that you're dating. <laughs> it's one of their main duties. Yeah. So they see him from across the street... And the head bad guy from the team that was searching Chang's office is right behind him and pushes him in front of a speeding car. And while he's dying, he says Zeus to Max. I didn't think that was what he said. but I am pretty sure based on later that it is. But well, I, I know the plot says that that's what he said, but I think that if you were leaning over a dead person and they were stuttering out Zeus the way he does, you would assume he was trying to say something that started with an S and a vowel sound. Oh, I'm not saying that it was it was intelligible. I would never have gotten Zeus out of that, but clearly someone did. Yeah. <laughs> so Jake calls Max and apologizes and tells a really dumb story. So it has to be coded because Max said earlier to Hannah that they had, when they were her age, which they would not have been at the same time, no. a code. They were so close. They even had a secret code. Okay. I didn't remember that. And based on the quality of the rest of this movie, I thought they, they just decided <laughs> to, to take throw a break it in. and have a really dumb brotherly bonding moment. 
No. So I was very surprised when he was like, we never went fishing. And I was like, oh, okay, there wasn't actually a purpose. <laughs> yeah, so he like, tells a story. We never walk away from each other. I was like, whoa. I don't... Except that you've done that on many you occasions. You super have. So anyway, Max takes the video of this phone call down to the IT girl to decode. So the code says, danger, highest level of government, trust no one. We already knew that, and I think Max was starting to know that too. Once again, nobody but Zatsi is surprised by this. So then they look up Project Zeus. Later at Max's house, Sarah comes in and pulls a gun before she even sees Zatsi. Which is insane. She hears a noise. And it's crazy because Max is home. She so, knows that he never would have dropped a glass. So it's not... Doesn't she drop the glass after she sees the gun and gets scared? <laughs> I thought it was before. I don't know. She hears noises and pulls a gun. And the thing is, wouldn't you only... do? Normally you only see that when the person is like, Oh no, but I know the other person can't be home, so who is this? She didn't know that because obviously Max was home. Yeah. How many times has Max had a gun pulled on him <laughs> in his own home? Because I feel like it's not zero. <laughs> And they're trying to convince Sarah to commit a crime that she doesn't want to commit. She is supposed to get secret files for them with her clearance. Um, And she doesn't want to, but she does it anyway. So they figure out what's going on and call up the space station. They're allowed to talk freely because Zatsi has blocked, I don't know, she's done IT magic. Yeah. Uh, so it's a virus, and they have to shut down Dutch Boy because the reboot will kill the virus. And there's some very weird, either insane writing or some weird product placement because Gerard Butler is like, well, you can't just shut it down, like press a button and shut it down. This isn't a Chromebook. Oh my gosh, you're right. He did say that, and that was weird. It was so weird. <laughs> It had to be product placement. It had to be. Nobody would have said that or written that. Yeah, because no one would have said, I think no one would have said laptop anyway. And then Chromebook would have been a, sorry, I mean, sorry, Google, but Chromebook would be an obscure one to choose. It really would. I don't know. Yeah. They are finding out that they have to ask the president for authorization because they're like the nuclear codes. He's the only one who has them. And there was a back door that was built into the system, but that's been blocked. And almost nobody knew about that except for the president. So Jake thinks that the president is behind this and doesn't want to hand it over to the world. Okay, question. It's dumb that there's a back door, as always. <laughs> but how does how would the president know that? I don't know, because that would have to be a pretty complex thing for him to be able to use. So it doesn't make sense that he would know about it. It's not he like would have he would have had to get somebody with a lot of coding ability to be able to block it, for one thing. Right. So for him to know about it is one thing. For him to actually be able to block it by himself seems unlikely. But it just seems weird that he would even know about it, because normally the whole back door to the system is a secret that's only told about when it's absolutely needed, from a plot device standpoint. But if... There was a back door. I think that he would be well within his rights to order it blocked because that would mean that hackers could get into it if they found the back door. 
I know. It doesn't make any sense. It's just so that he can say, I think it's the president. So Max is so frantic about this. He is overacting this so much. You would think that his daughter had been kidnapped, taken style. So Max has a plan. He gets himself onto the airplane, onto Air Force One, to go to the Democratic Convention in Miami, where Andy Garcia and Ed Harris are both going. And Sarah asks Max what he's doing there. He's there to steal the kill codes, baby. Which I'm sure the president has on him. Oh, probably. Or memorized, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. One of those. (laughs) On the ISS, 200 satellites are malfunctioning. They've lost control of the one over Tokyo, so it's a hail party of death over there. In Rio, there's a ton of ice. Almost everything was ice-related. And I don't know if it was because fire is more expensive or if it's just more gruesome to show people dying of fire. But yeah, all of the disasters were ice. It made it feel very day after tomorrow for me, It though. totally did because it this long scene in Rio, you're just watching the ice follow them. Yeah. And then this one girl in a bikini outruns the ice, but for a long time. Classic day after tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. It also lacks imagination because I'm like, you know, things like torrential hurricanes are also terrible and kill a lot of people. And that's not ice or fire. How about awful windstorms that are ripping up houses? Like, that would be things like tornadoes. Yeah. There's all sorts of natural disasters you could have chosen that weren't fire and ice. Well, and they do have, like, a bunch of twisters in Mumbai. Yeah. I think. But yeah, it's almost all ice. And also, I mean, I get the whole, like, oh, climate change means there's all these crazy weather events that are happening. It seems to me that most of the events are just worse versions of things that already happen. Not bizarre weather events out of nowhere that are so extreme that you can't predict any change before it happens. That's really true. Yeah, it's not going to be like insane fire bombs coming out of the earth. Or two million people being killed by heat wave. <laughs> so now's when we see that there is a geostorm alert with a timer that everybody has access to somehow. One hour and 30 minutes, y'all. And next in line is Orlando. They're in Orlando. Which, interestingly, based on your earlier description of what a geostorm is, how many of these storms have to happen before it reaches geostorm mass? They have... Like four. <laughs> based on what I saw. Well, clearly they, they've they indicated a number, because otherwise it's just this nebulous... It's not nebulous at all. Yeah. Because they run it down to minutes and nothing happens. Also, I like that Dutch Boy can stop it immediately. Oh yeah, it's very it's a very good machine. If it's not being horribly misused to kill millions. Ed Harris finds Max and asks what's going on because the lie that he used to get onto the plane was that his father was really excited and wanted to see the president. And he's like, dude, I know your dad is dead. What's going on? So like a dummy, Max tells him, and it's so funny because he's like, okay, hang on. And he pulls him over to a more private place three feet from where they were standing. (laughs) And what's going on in his suspicions of the president? On the ISS, the station is going to self-destruct, which was allegedly built in in case the station fell to Earth. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. 
In the chaos, Jake figures out that it was Robert Sheehan, so he goes to confront him alone and ends up getting held at gunpoint. Super smart. His plan was just to beat him up, it seems. Yeah. Also, let's not pretend like Robert Sheehan was some sort of genius mastermind, because it was just that he was the only person that had the coding knowledge needed to do what was done. And that was it. That was the solution to the mystery. (laughs) I know. Seems like you should have figured that out a long time ago. Yeah. Robert Sheehan did it for the money, and he's like, well, what good is that if Earth is gone? He's like, well, they're not gonna, they're gonna save some parts of Earth, so it'll be okay, at least for them. And these lines are just terrible, and he's like, do you want to just watch the world burn? And I was like, ooh, Batman already used that, nobody can use it again. Yeah. So then Gerard Butler says, one of them's my daughter, even though those pronouns don't make sense. Okay, fine. (laughs) And uh, also, you don't have to actually. Okay, for one thing, everyone in that space station has friends and family on Earth. Yeah, I know, right? You're not the only person who loves someone on Earth. Yeah, also, because Robert Sheehan surely also has friends and family on Earth, and it's not stopping him. Yeah. Also, you don't have to specifically love one person on Earth <laughs> in order to want to stop humanity. No, it's from, personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you just don't want 7 billion people to die horribly. Yeah. But Robert Sheehan gets his because there's a... Something happens and he gets sucked out into space. Yeah. So there you go. Problem solved. One problem solved. Except I was sad, so... <laughs> I know! The rest of this movie was a real bummer for me. I was sad that he got used that way and he just wasn't allowed to be interesting or good. I know. Yeah. On Earth, Ed Harris is following Max into a room... And pulls a gun on him. And I guess he's going to just murder him right here with a non-silenced gun. Sure. That's a good plan. Max really easily gets away and into the main crowd for the president's speech somehow. And Ed Harris is close behind but grabs his goons and tells them the president doesn't leave the building. And we see the guy who killed Chang is among them. They tried to make this guy into one of the villains, but they never even said his name. (laughs) And he's just there. Just so we know... It's yeah. all related. Like, he's the, he's the head henchman. Yeah. But that's it. So Max tells Sarah, it's not the president, it's Ed Harris. And he really has no way of knowing that. He has no way of knowing that they're not in it together. Yeah, that the president didn't order Ed Harris to do it? Yeah, because he never did a, did a villain monologue and said, psych, it was me. So he's right, but it's not a great assumption to make, I think. So Max says that Ed Harris wants everyone between him and the presidency eliminated, which seems very hard to do in one go. I I feel like they couldn't possibly all be at the DNC in the building at the same time. But I guess if all of Orlando was going to go, maybe that's easier. But I still don't think they would be there at the same time. There's well, like Because you're assuming that everyone who's between him and the president is Democrat, for starters, which... So, vice president, and then there's two other people. I forget who they are. Yeah, even if they were... What is he? The secretary of state. Okay, see, I wasn't real clear on what he was. I thought he was just a government guy. I think he's secretary of state. Third in line is the speaker of the House of Representatives. So you're assuming that that person is a Democrat. Right. And has shown up for this because they have nothing better to do with their time than to go to your dumb rally. Yeah. They probably wouldn't. There would be no point in them going unless they were going to be, like, a keynote speaker. Yeah. It's it's just insane that he's like, they'll all be here. 
Here's my other question. Why did Ed Harris also go to Orlando? <laughs> he didn't I just to. realized that that actually makes no sense. Yeah, You're make right. one excuse to not be there. You know the city's going to blow up. Guess what happens in Orlando? It's a bunch of lightning storms. Lightning like you've never seen, just all over, striking cars, buildings, everything, making buildings blow up, cars blow up. Well, guess what? You think planes are going to fly in that? No. Yeah. So why would you put yourself in that position? Anyway, Sarah fakes an active shooter situation and kidnaps the president. And then the building explodes, which is funny. (laughs) There's too much lightning. And in Russia, buildings are catching fire just from the heat, and everything makes sense. So there's a big car chase, and Sarah kills all the bad guys and is very cool. In Atlanta, Jake's ex-wife is on the phone saying that she can't get in touch with Jake because his trailer is, like, nearby Orlando or something. And I don't understand how she wouldn't have known that he was back on the ISS. Yeah. That because makes for one thing, no don't send sense. your daughter here anymore. Right? It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the daughter didn't even mention it, really? It so, wasn't on the news? <laughs> you would think. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they're trying to keep it quiet. Yeah. They're trying to keep it quiet that it's broken. So everyone is evacuating the ISS, but Jake is going down with the ship. Max wouldn't trust anyone else with the codes, and he has to be there to put them in, he says. Even though the uh, German lady wants to stay also. Sorry, lady, I never learned your name. (laughs) Uda, that's her name, Uda. So back in Orlando, Ed Harris is determined to kill the president. And he pulls out an actual rocket launcher from his (laughs) trunk. Oh my gosh, this is when the movie just... Go with nuts. Which could easily be product placement for a spacious trunk. <laughs> and he just gets it, like, crime-wise, it seems like a bad idea, because he is the one who gets it out of the trunk and puts his fingerprints all over it, but then he hands it to someone else to actually use. They blow up the car that the president was in, but wait, when they got into it, they said it was a self-driving cab. No one's inside, and Sarah captures Harris. This is so dumb. I know. (laughs) Although there is no time to waste for stopping this geostorm, they waste time shaming Ed Harris and saying how horrible he is, and they would never do that. And then, oh my goodness, there's this Middle Eastern guy on a camel in a desert, and he turns around like, (laughs) and he sees these, I guess it's like a huge ice or wave or something. I can't remember what it was. All I remember is thinking how sad it was that they played this guy's face for laughs and then killed him. Oh my gosh. Seemed really heartless. Well, he still got a paycheck. So they've only got 10 minutes until the geostorm. The codes get put in and there is a very moving exchange between brothers. Five minutes to go and now the gravity's turned off. And Hannah, his daughter, is watching it on TV and that is terrible that her mother's letting her do that. So Jake is trying to put the code in, and he keeps getting wrong code. But all of a sudden, Uda's there to help. And he was at the wrong door, which (laughs) seems like a weird mistake to make. Because he's kept getting, like, small things wrong about the space station. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess they're playing on that. (laughs) They upload the kill codes, and Jake manually reboots the system to kill the virus. Instantly, all storms are done. Immediately. Yep. The net is clean and control is back to NASA. 
So the space station is breaking apart around them, and they're both going to die. Except then Jake has an idea, and he says, Uda, do you believe in a Hail Mary? Which is not really how you should ask that question. Nope. Makes it sound like you're talking about the prayer. I also don't know that Uda would get the reference. The <laughs> sports reference. The American sports reference. You don't think the German science officer would understand the American football reference? I'm not sure. I'm not saying she wouldn't. I'm just saying I'm not sure. Well, they've really bonded over this trip in a way that I thought was going to make her romance interest, but it didn't at all. <laughs> yeah. So that just kind of left me feeling empty inside. But maybe they talked about the fact her love of American football. Well, so that's the thing as far as her being a love interest. They get into they get to the satellite, which has passenger spaces, even though nobody thought of it before. <laughs> and they get in right before the self-destruct is completed and I was really hoping it would be a James Bond situation where the government's like, come back, are you there? And they're like, later. Uh, they're too professional. Well, right. one of them is too professional. One of them is too professional. So the videos that are monitoring the ISS, everyone's like, oh, he's dead. Oh, no. But the videos catch sight of a satellite sending a mayday pattern of exhaust. How are they hoping to be rescued? Are there space planes? <laughs> Yes, there is a space plane, and it's their quirky <laughs> friends from the station. I was more wondering how they managed to get the exhaust to puff out in a very specific pattern. Um, yeah, like, does this thing have brakes or something that you're <laughs> yeah. pumping? I don't understand at all. Yeah. That should really mess up your satellite, too. Back on Earth, everything's getting slightly back to normal, and the Indian child in Mumbai, who was looking for his dog and got separated from it, found the dog and starts <laughs> hugging it, which is not how people treat dogs in Mumbai. That's how we know it's a happy ending, though, is because the boy and his dog were brought together. That was the that was the most awful thing that could have happened in this geostorm, was that the boy would get separated from his dog, so yeah, that was, now we know it's a happy ending. Yeah, well, yeah, that's great. Also, Sarah and Max are engaged, and I feel like we never heard about it until the car chase, which made me think that maybe she just said we're getting married. There was a conversation they had, and I don't remember when it was, where she was like, I've changed my mind, let's get married. Oh, okay. But it was also one of those, the world is ending, who cares, let's get married. <laughs> yeah situations where I was like, I don't know if she's going to want to do this when it means that she might lose her job. <laughs> Although to be well, fair, she might lose her job anyway for unrelated reasons. So. No, she saved the president's life and now she's BFFs with the president. So she won't lose her job. Okay. Good plan. <laughs> Max grabs the back of Jake's neck for an embrace and it really looks like they're going to kiss. <laughs> it's amazing. So this is, much later. Jake is going back up to the ISS in a week. And how long later is this? We don't know, but they had to rebuild it. Are you kidding me? Gosh. How long would that take? I don't know. But I also think that it's pretty unlikely that anybody would let America be involved in rebuilding it. Because I think America's rep is probably going to be pretty bad for a long time. I guess it wasn't actually the president, so it's okay. Yeah, but like, how would we feel if some other government ended up killing people all over the world for some kind of political intrigue? Even if it wasn't the president, we'd be like, ooh, we don't really need you to do this. Probably they need America's resources. And NASA's in charge of Dutch boys, so... Well, that's true. My thing is, if 
NASA can control Dutch Boy from the ground, why do we need everyone to be up in the International Space Station to do it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just for maintenance and stuff? I don't know. It's not gone into. I have no idea. I'm waiting for the novelization (laughs) to explain it to me. Oh my gosh. And his daughter never comes up again, so... Nope. And... The brother's relationship is patched up in a way that will surely crumble the first time adversity comes. I know, right? Immediately. Well, I remember when you fired me. Yeah, Gerard Butler learned nothing and didn't mature at all. He really didn't. Oh my goodness. So, a terrible movie. Yeah, it was really bad. I also think it's weird to have your plot be... This really horrible thing was happening, so we built this machine to stop it, but now the machine is doing the exact same thing, only worse. Yeah. That seems like a weird plot. Well, it also seems like maybe you need to rethink your machine. Like, you need to have more safety and backups and all that. Like, you need to have, like, a Dutch girl up there, too, or something. (laughs) You need to have more than one satellite. I guess the moral of the story is you can invent technology to fix the world's problems, but humans will just screw it up again. Well said, Michael Creighton. (laughs) Well, the rest of the world agrees with us that this was a terrible film. So the budget was $120 million, and the box office was $220 million, which might sound like a good thing, except that it says right here on Wikipedia that it lost $74 million. Ooh. Deserved. Because it was super bad, and I hope that no one else in the world... No, and it's just the premise sounds stupid. You could just hear a synopsis of the movie and tell that it was going to be bad. So it was the movie that made me realize that Roland Emmerich might be a more talented director than I gave him credit for previously. So the guy who wrote and directed this, Dean Devlin, worked really closely with Roland Emmerich for a long time. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. Because it felt like just a bad version of a Roland Emmerich film, which is really What does that sentence mean? That sentence doesn't make sense. But yeah, (laughs) it did. Yeah. A more boring version. Although, there was a lot that happened. It was more entertaining than 10,000 BC, which was a Roland Emmerich film. So I guess the the deal is, 10,000 BC was better crafted, shockingly. Mm -hmm. And yet, Geostorm was more interesting. (laughs) Yeah. We need a combination of the two. That's why they need to go back to being partners. (laughs) Clearly, we can get the cinema gold that That is the day after day after tomorrow. Yeah. So next up, we're going to go, I feel like, to a true more is more film. Queen of the Damned. Oh, yes. Oh, (laughs) I love it. Everything you want in a movie, including the fact that it's a really terrible sequel to a critically acclaimed film. Yes. And because we have to go through all of Aaliyah's work. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what's next on more is more. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, email at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.